Hello and welcome to episode 12 of Bob Speaks. I know it's been a few months since I last recorded, but with the Apple event that happened just a couple weeks ago here, I thought it would be a good time to try and gather my thoughts together, having purchased nothing and looked at nothing, and give you an idea of what I'm thinking. Um, the cool thing about the event that happened on September 9th was that it was at the Flint Center in Cupertino, which we happened to drive by almost every day when I was training with Apple back in 2010. So I actually kind of knew the area, which was um, kind of neat. Obviously, the big announcements from the Apple event were the iPhone 6 and iPhone 6 Plus with 4.7 and 5.5-inch screens, respectively. Apple Pay was also announced. It has not been released yet. That'll, I think that's released in October. And then the unveiling, it's not the release or the launch, but the unveiling of what is being called uh, Apple Watch, which was kind of expected by many people. Um, you know, it's been said by a number of people, John Gruber and, and others, that even if you take the watch off of it and move, you could move this event back to your Buena, where it has been held, the iPhone event's been held in the past, and have more than enough to cover then. And I agree, it, was, it is a big iPhone launch, but I think the Apple Watch is probably the thing people are most interested in going forward. The iPhone launch is going to be huge, obviously, and it was with 4 million pre-sales over that um, before it was launched just this last Friday, and who knows how many were sold yesterday, uh, which was Friday. But the watch going forward is probably the wild card because you don't really know what to expect. So I'll get to that last. Um, first, with the app, with the iPhones, they're obviously bigger. Um, they've made some interesting design choices with the camera lens that protrudes out from the back, and just the size of the screens overall, how thin they are, the materials they use. I think again, it is anodized aluminum overall um, for the iPhones. No sapphire screen, which isn't that unusual when you consider. I think the Sapphire is probably going toward the Apple Watch and Apple Watch Edition models. It'll be released in 2015. Um, I'll get to that later. But uh, I haven't put my hands on one yet, and I don't even know which one I'm, I might get in the future because I've been very happy with the 4-inch size of my screen that, depending on the day, I'm kind of leaning toward just getting an iPhone 6, even though the 6 Plus, with its increased battery life and its uh, optical image stabilization would be really, really tempting just for those two features. And having a larger screen phone for some of the things that I do would be really nice. I am worried about the size, but I'm not going to purchase anything until I can actually put my hands on them and take a closer look at them. Uh, obviously, other features are the A8. The iPhones now have near-field communication for the first time, which is obviously there just to enable Apple Pay which is really interesting, too. Get to that in just a bit. Um, overall, you know, it's an iPhone. That's what it is with bigger screens, which means that there's some optimization that will need to be done for current applications in the store. It'll be interesting to see how long it takes. Um, for example, with the shift from iOS 6 to iOS 7, things.app, um, the, the task manager that I used for a long time, just released their updated iOS 7 application on the day of iOS 8. Now, they did some other iOS 8 things too, 
But that gives you an idea of how long they took in order to release that. Well, how long are people going to take to release these slight optimizations to things like auto layout so that they don't have to just scale the apps up to these higher resolution screens? Overall, it'll just be interesting to see how the app landscape pans out with more, I'll say, opportunities for differentiation from app developers. Especially when you consider the iPhone 6 Plus has an has opportunity to have a different layout landscape-wise from the iPhone 6. You can gain, through the use of auto layout and through a, what Apple is calling adaptive interfaces, like a sidebar, which is an iPad-like uh, layout. And so there's more opportunity for differentiation. There's more opportunity to do unique and interesting things if it fits. And Apple's been sowing these seeds with auto layout and adaptive interfaces and just stressing in WWDCs for the past couple of years that you really should just start using auto layout and not think of pixel-perfect designs and the iOS 7 design languages. as There's a lot of different things that were put in place to bring out these phones. And it brings to light what's going to happen in the future. Are there going to be more devices at different sizes? Are they going to have an iPhone mini or an iPhone nano? Um, what's going to happen with the watch? Has watch kit is there. We don't really know what it can do yet. So a lot of interesting um, things. You can try and read some tea leaves from WWDC sessions to try and figure out where is Apple going to be going next. Um, overall, the iPhones look really good to me as an iPhone user. I will hopefully be getting one. I have to wait and see because, I want, like I said, I want to be able to put my hands on it and really feel what each one looks like a little bit and what it feels like when you're using it. So we'll see. I don't know yet. I will, you'll de I'll definitely get back to you on that one. Apple Pay, though, was the, was the next item that came up, and it was very interesting, um, mainly because it's Apple's take on how do you do uh, NFC payments. And some of the cool things that I've heard <clears throat> about its... Um, implementation is that Apple, what Apple really doesn't keep, it doesn't keep your credit card number, it doesn't keep your, uh, Apple doesn't track your purchases, so you can't go and to Apple's website and find a purchase history for Apple Pay. Um, it really seems to be developed in mind with a couple of things, to prevent fraud by providing unique payment numbers for each card that you put in there so you don't have to get a whole new card if, say, there's a data breach like Target had. There's a unique payment identifier assigned to your card in their secure, not secure element, I think they're calling it. And I think that is actually a um, payment industry term. I'm not 100% sure for the chip and pin or a chip and token, whatever it is. But it really seems like the idea is to split apart your credit card information, your personal information from the transaction for what the companies have as far as transaction logs so that if someone would, a data breach like Home Depot just had or Target would just have, your information is specific only for that instance. So you don't have to get a new card. You're just going to get a new token the next time you use it. It's not that useful. That is good for the banks because that cuts down on fraud, which is a, a sinkhole for them. That's just a... It's just a cost of doing business. Good for users because they're um, 
a, a person can't just take that information from a retailer if they're if it's breached and use that to make purchases. It's kind of worthless data. And uh, it's good for Apple because they hopefully will sell more devices, and it's good for consumers because it's more secure. Um, well, Apple Pay can also integrate not just with NFC and um, uh, the, I think they're called Easy Passes. At least I see them at the, at the gas stations around here. Um, so not just with physical goods in the physical world, but they're also extending it to buying um, digital goods or physical goods in apps. And I'm guessing they'll also be able to do the same thing for uh, digital goods as well. I'm not sure if that will probably be some app store rules that will come into play there. Um, so Apple Pay is very interesting. It's one of those things where it's, only, it's iOS 8 and iPhone 6 and 6 Plus specific, so it's not widespread. And the as far as in the real world, the individual retailers will have to upgrade their their hardware, which they are kind of being forced to do anyway in many cases to try and prevent fraud and bring the U.S. specifically away from being primarily a swipe, a card swipe institution and into the chip and pin or the tokenization, those sorts of things for payments. So Apple's kind of riding on, the, on, on those initiatives as well. Uh, and I think that's why it's released now and it wasn't released in the past so we'll see what happens with that. It's at least interesting in the idea of being able to securely make payments using Touch ID and my iPhone is kind of cool um, as long as it works and I can use it where I need to. Those are, the re- those are the main things. Finally, the big thing is obviously the watch. And there, I don't know if there's a ton to say about it because there isn't a ton that's known about the watch, and it isn't even released yet, and so few people have actually had their hands on it. Um, If you want to listen to some more opinions, um, the latest episode of this one podcast done by my friends Phil Wells and Jonas Lyer, um, they talked extensively about the Apple event and about the watch in particular and about wearables in particular too, and there's a lot of good stuff over there, so you should go and listen to that, and I'll have that in the show notes for this. Um, Overall, I don't wear a watch, which is really the big deal. And, you know, no matter how small of a watch Apple makes, how good it looks, or maybe even what it does, I have a hard time right now saying, yes, I'm going to get an Apple watch because I don't wear a watch currently. So adding that onto my person is going to be a big step. Adding an iPhone wasn't a big step because I was already carrying a cell phone with me. And it goes into my pocket, but adding a watch is something I'm going to be wearing. Will always be visible, unless I'm wearing long sleeves. But I don't like long sleeves either. And it's another device. Then that's in addition to the phone. Now there are. As soon as I showed my wife the introductory video for the i for the Apple Watch, man, I almost called it a night watch. That was bad. Um, right away, she said she wanted it, which was extremely surprising to me because a lot of times she doesn't say she wants anything technology wise and I just bring her along for the ride but she said she wanted the the Apple watch and when pressing Y much of it has to do with the convenience factor when she's caring for kids and she has her phone in her purse because face it women's clothing is not exactly conducive for putting things into pockets safely the idea of having a device that can interface with the same information your phone has and yet have it on your person at all times is small enough that you can wear it comfortably 
and interact with certain things, that's an extremely appealing thing for her, not just as a woman, but as a mother. And that was very interesting because I did not think of that, obviously, not being a woman nor a mother. Um, but at that point, I kind of just said, well, I'm probably not going to get a watch, but maybe there's something there that I don't understand that isn't speaking to me as a person who doesn't wear any jewelry beside my wedding ring, doesn't wear a watch, keeps accessories to a minimum, and already carries and uses the phone extensively because I usually have both my hands available. Um, for her, she wears jewelry, she wears accessories, she carries her phone in her purse usually, so it's not easily accessible all the time, and she usually doesn't have access to both of her hands. So the idea of being able to glance at your wrist and find out what's going on, that's appealing to her, more appealing than it probably is to me currently. So the Apple Watch, there are a lot of unknowns. There are three different editions. There's the Sport, which is aluminum and glass. There is the Apple Watch. I think it's just Apple Watch, the middle-of-the-road one, which is, I believe, stainless steel and sapphire crystal for the face. And then there's the Apple Watch edition, which is solid, or there, which is 18-karat solid gold and sapphire crystal. And a lot of speculation around the pricing. I'm guessing the solid gold one is going to be multiple thousands of dollars to get in, entry level. I'm guessing the Apple Watch will be probably $1,000 to $1,500 because it uses stainless steel and sapphire, which is more expensive components. And then the Apple Watch Sport will probably be the one where Apple announced it at $350. For I won't speak about the interface because I haven't, I haven't really used it. It looks interesting. Um, the digital crown on the side, which is an uh, which is there, that you call it a new click wheel um, for interfacing with the device. That's very interesting. Uh, some of the design choices are very interesting. Uh, it'll just be. It it'll be, kind of fun to watch from the outside to see what Apple decides because this is a pre-production model obviously and there's going to be a lot of design decisions that are still being made battery life was not announced they probably don't even know what the battery life is going to look like yet because they're still finalizing what the software is going to do probably even what the hardware is going to be so a lot of questions not a lot of answers it'll be interesting to see what when in 2015 this will be released but until then I am looking forward to the release of OS 10 10.10 Yosemite, which should be coming in October, and keeping my eyes open for new Macs. Retina Macs might be coming with these, these quote-unquote 5K displays becoming more popular. We'll just have to wait and see what October and the end of the year brings, and go from there. So thanks for listening.